Welcome to Family Money Coaching, where we prepare couples financially for adoption and fertility. I'm your host and financial coach, Laura Coleman. Today's topic is the beginning of a series called Love and Money, a curriculum developed by Kansas State University and Prepare and Rich for Bright Peak. I was introduced to this curriculum at an AFCPE conference. As soon as I went through the lessons, I knew I needed to provide this to my clients. Love and Money marry personal finance with marriage and family therapy, and I love that. Marriage is hard enough during your fertility and your adoption process. Part of the reasons it's so hard is the strong emotions that come from it and our inability to communicate with one another those emotions. Perhaps you're different, but that's what I learned during our process. Lesson one teaches a better way to talk about money. Lesson two teaches your heart, soul, and mind the five dimensions of money, stress, less, love more. Lesson three teaches know your story, own your story, the cultural dimension of money. Lesson four teaches why is this so hard? the emotional and practical dimensions of money, and lesson five teaches how stuff gets done, the behavioral dimension of money, and your new story. To make sure you don't miss out on all five episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. The goal of lesson one is for couples to practice communication in a new way. Instead of focusing on the negative, we want to focus on the positive. That means stop focusing on the reason why you're going through fertility. Stop blaming. Stop dwelling on the negative reasons you're in your predicament. The past is the past. Let's look towards the future. If you have debt and no savings, stop dwelling on it. If your spouse committed financial infidelity, let us put it behind you. This lesson will help you grow stronger together so you can reach your goal of finding the money for adoption or fertility and have that forever family you've desired to have for so long. So let me share a story about Jesse and Tony. Jesse says, Tony and I didn't talk a whole lot about money before we were married, but we definitely talk about it now and not in a good way. Tony talks about it every time I overspend, but what he doesn't realize is that I'm not spending it on myself. I'm spending it on groceries for the family and stuff for the house. I may spend more to get high quality clothes that will last, and yes, I am buying some extra things for our home here and there, but Tony also makes extra purchases and I never question his spending. Every time we try to talk about this, we just end up arguing. Can you relate to that story? Did you see yourself in Jesse's shoes? Well, you aren't alone. In the almost 20 years I've been in the financial industry, I've heard the story repeated many times. And money ranks among the top sources of conflict in a relationship. What I find interesting is that studies show that the wounds from money-related arguments can feel more painful than other types of arguments. Money arguments are more likely to be remembered They're harder to resolve and they're more likely to include problematic conflict resolution tactics than other common arguments. I venture to say that fights about waiting on fertility or waiting for adoption or unable to conceive or the type of adoption you choose are influenced by your money arguments and that can sting. So let's stop the arguing. What a couples like Jesse and Tony need is a better way to talk about money. So get your paper and your pen ready as we discuss the five techniques for better conversations. First is scheduling. Money conversations can be difficult, so it's not a great idea to just wing it. You don't want one partner ready for a fight and the other is caught off guard. A good way to schedule is to ask when would be a good time to talk about money. Don't be intimidated or scared. Asking is the first step towards successful communicating about money. Second is active listening. 
Active listening requires you to combine your body language with paraphrasing what your partner has said. While you are talking to them, mirror what they are doing. Face them, and if they have both arms down by their side, do the same. Don't be distracted by your phone. Ignore text messages or Facebook alerts. If you have children, be sure they aren't distracting you. And make sure that you turn off the TV. Show that you are part of this conversation by repeating back to your partner what they just said. They need to know that you heard them. So here's a great example of not active listening. We lock our medicine cabinet and just the other day I couldn't find the key and I asked my husband, hey, where's the key to the medicine cabinet? He said, I told you I put it on the microwave in the bowl. He was extremely frustrated with me because he had told me not an hour earlier that he had done that. When I looked at him with a blank expression, he he said, you responded, "Uh uh-huh. And I honestly cannot remember that conversation. I had so much on my mind. Our fridge had broken down. I had to clean it out. The kitchen was a mess because of it. And that drives me crazy. I was dealing with our three kids, making sure everyone got out the door for my middle child's therapy and the youngest was starving or I may have needed some cuddles. I was thinking about how much money had just recently gone out of the door because of emergencies. And if you've if you've listened to a recent podcast where I talked about how our three-year-old threw a sippy cup and broke a TV and that cost us $1,000. And then now our fridge is broken down. Uh, I, I was stressed. I've been thinking so much about it. I was definitely not actively listening to the conversation and he was frustrated with me because he felt I wasn't paying attention to him. And I felt bad because it caused a moment moment of stress for us. It wasn't the key that was the problem. It was the fact that I hadn't listened to him. And we all make mistakes, but we can remedy this by taking time to schedule our money conversations and practice active listening. The third technique for best conversations is I feel statements. By focusing on how a situation made you feel instead of focusing on what someone did, you'll be more likely to keep the conversation constructive and work toward a resolution. There's a big difference between blaming your partner or accusing them than stating how a situation made you feel. For example, listen to the difference between these two statements and how they make you feel. You never pay any of our bills. I always have to do it. And I feel stressed when I have to juggle all the bills on top of everything else I have to do. One brings you toward a solution and the other one just starts an argument. The fourth technique is really changing one word in your dialogue. Instead of saying, yes, but, change that to yes, and. The word but erases everything that came before it. Everything. Doesn't matter what you said. As soon as you say the word but, the other person forgets what you previously said. The word and brings the conversation in a more positive direction. You can also use words like, I wonder or what if. The last technique, our fifth one, can be the hardest because it requires you to pay attention to what your spouse is doing and to show gratitude and generosity. Tell how much you appreciate how quick they are to apologize or take ownership to their part of the problem. One big way to show generosity in your conversation is by giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. Research shows that the happiest couples recognize each other's strengths and give each other the benefit of the doubt. To believe something good about someone rather than believe that they have it in for you is giving them the benefit of the doubt. That means not assuming they mean one thing when they don't mean that at all. So my husband and I have been together for eight years. 
We had a long distance relationship until a month before our wedding. And I'll never forget when he, he flew to come get me, pack up the moving truck and bring me to Tennessee. I was looking forward to this road trip because I'd always heard that road trips were a good sign of whether he could stand being around that person for a long period of time. Well, it was a disaster. <laughs> he barely talked to me on the seven hour trip to my parents and then 10 hours to Tennessee. I kept thinking, I've made a mistake. Oh my gosh, this guy doesn't talk. I've made a mistake. What am I doing? He's not talking to me. And it was incredibly awkward the entire trip. Well, we ended up getting married anyhow. And years later, we were talking about that trip and I told him my thoughts and my feelings about thinking how I was making a mistake, getting married to him because he didn't talk at all. And he looks at me and he's like, do you know what I was thinking? I was thinking this moving truck won't go over 55 miles an hour and I don't want to cause a wreck. Well, we've laughed about that for years now. Never assume you know what the other person is thinking or feeling. I did give him the benefit of the doubt because I married him and I haven't regretted that decision. If you struggle uh, with this last technique of showing gratitude and generosity, may I suggest a journal. Take time to write down simple things that your spouse does that you admire or strength that they have that you love. Begin to focus on the positive instead of the negative and your relationship will strengthen during this challenging process of adoption and fertility. In this last section, I'd like to show communication in action. There's the correct and incorrect way to improve communication and I'd like to have you see it in action. Jesse and Tony having a conversation. Jesse, can we talk about something? I know our money situation can cause you stress and you work really hard to keep the debt down, but... You made me feel guilty about buying new shoes for work. Tony, I hear what you're saying about the way I question your spending, but I'm the one who's responsible for all of our finances, and I'm the one who ends up working extra hours to cover our bills. So did you catch a spot where Jesse could have used an I feel statement and where both of them could have avoided the big but? Here's a slight modification to the good start they had. Jesse, can we talk about something I know our money situation can cause you stress and work really hard to keep our debt down. What you said made me feel guilty about buying new shoes for work. I just want to share that I feel guilty and frustrated when you make comments about my buying clothes for work. Tony, I hear you saying that you feel badly when I question your spending. I know that you're careful with our money and care about our needs. I do feel a lot of stress relating to our money. I tend to feel like I am on my own when you're spending more on nicer things because I'm working extra hours to stay on top of our bills. What if we agree to discuss any big purchase, say over $100, and then I'll try not to question any purchases below that. So Jesse's use of I feel takes away some of the defensiveness felt by Tony. And Tony's yes and option acknowledges Jesse's comment without erasing it and helps to address the real issue at hand for Jesse and Tony. So let's look at a way that Jesse could respond while also covering the conversation in gratitude and generosity. Jesse, I know that you work hard and I appreciate everything that you do for our family, especially all of the responsibility you take on in managing our money. How about I help by working with you to plan a budget for clothes each se season and then making sure I stick to that amount and if for some reason I'm going to go over it, I'll talk to you first. I know your conversations might not be as smooth and easily resolved as this one at first, but with time and practice, you can get there. I also know that it's going to seem a little unnatural, a little awkward, a little uncomfortable. As you follow these five steps, you will improve your conversations with your spouse about money. So let's go over them again. Number one is scheduling. Two, active listening. Three, using I feel statements. Four, 
use the yes and statements instead of yes, but. And number five, showing gratitude and generosity to your spouse. I know that as you use these five techniques for better conversations, that it will improve your relationship and ease the stress that you have during your process of adopting and going through fertility. Thank you for listening to Family Money Coaching, where we prepare couples financially for adoption and fertility. If you haven't subscribed already, make sure that you subscribe and share our podcast with others who are seeking to adopt or go through fertility. You can also visit familymoneycoaching.org and see our blog posts and help you prepare financially for your journey. We are looking to interview any couples that have gone through fertility and have successfully raised the funds for that. If you would like to share your story on our podcast, please go to familymoneycoaching.org, send us a message, and we would love to be in contact with you to schedule a time to interview you for our podcast.